Welcome to Strength for the Journey from First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu at Ko'olau. The Hope Restored Sermon Series continues. We sometimes write off and ignore the down and out, the less fortunate in society. What can we possibly learn from a blind, needy beggar? Turns out, a lot. Here's First Pres Executive Coordinator Jenny Sung with the sermon, He's Calling You. My name is Jenny Sung. I'm the executive coordinator on staff and one of the lay pers- uh, pastors at First Pres. Um, to share an amusing story with you, my nine-year-old son Mitchell, he just had his birthday, so there's this little cute face over there. He's like, Mama, what do, what, what do you do again at the church? And so I'm like, well, I, I'm a lay pastor. And he's like, oh, it's sad. And so you know, I'm telling him, oh, we do the sacraments and weddings and blah, blah, blah. And so um, I, th- I think I should remember to articulate more sometimes and you know to maybe explain some terms to my children that might be foreign because uh, he, he had a school project and he showed it to me the next week and he had handed this in to his teacher and I've circled the word on the slide so you can kind of see there what he turned in so apparently Miss Lopez thinks that I'm a late pastor and uh now, I do have his permission to share this with you. You know, I, do, I did ask him. It's true sometimes I am late. You know, I'm a late pastor, and I try very hard to make it to meetings and, you know, um, pick up my kids from school on time. But, well, we are all human, and all have fallen short of the glory of God. So, you know, uh, let's pray for this late pastor as we begin our service today and uh, listen to God's word. Will you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for being our God. We thank you that you're faithful to all of our needs and that you give us hope. We lift up this time to you, asking for a fresh filling of your Holy Spirit. Open our minds and hearts to the truth of your word, and may we hear your voice and your voice only. Guide us in wisdom and love. In Christ's name we pray, amen. We're in a sermon series called Hope Restored from the book of Mark. And today we learn about a very special character named Bartimaeus. Our scripture for today is the book of Mark, chapter 10, verses 46 through 52. Today's message is called, He's Calling You. We learn about a man named Bartimaeus who's healed and transformed. Now, what do we know about him? Well, we know that he's blind and he's a beggar a person with no status or means, lowest on the totem pole. According to the book of Leviticus in the Bible, chapter 21, Bartimaeus was in a class considered unclean, not whole or complete. The blind, the lame, and the deaf were all figures who were unclean to the Jews of this ancient Judaistic culture. Jews who considered themselves pure and holy would be defensive, maybe even protective regarding their purity, And concern for purity meant distancing yourself from people who were unclean. In other words, you maintained proper boundaries, did not cross those lines. So when Bartimaeus shouts out to Jesus in verse 47, Jesus, Jesus, people shush him. They try to shut him down and they warn him. And some versions say they rebuked him and admonished him. His behavior was completely inappropriate, a huge violation of the social norm. Now, this was in the time of Jesus, right? And, well, today, you know, it doesn't sound that. But if we look at the social norms of today's culture, 
in America, you know, we have so many、um, rules and social norms that when they're crossed, it's very noticeable. At the very least, it's a faux pas, right? And in fact,、um, you don't really notice them until you know they're crossed, right? They're violated. So let me point out some social norm violations, and once I start reading them out, you'll know what I mean. So here are some boundaries that one should not cross: picking your nose in public. How about picking your feet in public?、Huh? How about this one? Standing too close to somebody, violation of personal space, right? Do you remember the Seinfeld episode, Close Talker? It was like a huge, like, like violation. How about talking with your mouth full of food? Or for men,、uh, strike up an intimate conversation with a complete stranger right next to you in the urinal. Try that. <laughs> And here's a local one: walk into someone's house with your shoes on. Oh, right. Now I realize that even for the elevator, we have social norms, right? Like、um, stand n- next to somebody really close when there's only one person in the elevator, right by them. See what happens then. And、um, or you know, go to the movie theater and there's like maybe one person in the theater. Go sit right next to them and see what happens. Yeah. And when you're going into the elevator, you face what? You all face right, right towards the front. Try facing the back. Just kind of see what happens if you. You know, and, oh my gosh! And then here's here. Do you remember、um, Buddy the Elf in the Elf movie? He like like pushed all the buttons in the elevator. Try that and just see what kind of look you get. Now I know these norm violations are are kind of ridiculous,、um, but we have them. And going back to Bartimaeus, you know,、uh, this was very serious business. They were rebuking him because he was crossing the line. Professor Jerome Nairi, who's a professor of the New Testament at the University of Notre Dame, he says this about Jesus: According to the Jewish religion and culture, Jesus would be expected to be a defensive person and avoid all contact with uncleanliness. He'd be expected to respect the lines and boundaries of Jewish observance, and holiness defined as separateness from all things that are unclean or defective or marginal. Is indicated in behavior which keeps one separate from uncleanliness and which maintains the classification system. So, as people see this blind beggar crying out, crying out louder and louder, "Jesus, Son of David, Jesus!" What do we see Jesus do? Does he distance himself? Maybe cross the street? Does he maintain the classification system? No, we know that Jesus does exactly the opposite. He calls Bartimaeus to come closer, and Jesus draws him to himself. Now, some in the crowd kind of notice this. They go, "Hey, Bartimaeus, be of good cheer. On your feet, he's calling you." Jesus is calling out to Bartimaeus, and I'm sure the critics in the crowd are just—they're just going, "What? This is unbelievable." How could he do this? What is this rabbi doing? Doesn't he know he's going to defile himself? He should stay clean. But we know, we know about Jesus from previous chapters that Jesus rocked the boat on a lot of things. He reset social norms in a radical, radical way. Some call it the upside-down kingdom of God. Just in the last chapter, we see Jesus welcoming children, right? And children were considered back then just, you know, kind of unimportant. You know, stay away from the teachers, and they're not supposed to bother them. But Jesus rebukes those that keep the little ones from coming to him. He rebukes them very harshly, 
and women who were considered possessions back then and second-class citizens. Jesus is the one that uplifts them. He interacts with them and he gives them value. Just in the last few verses of this very chapter in chapter 10, two weeks ago, Pastor Dan preached about the idea of greatness. And what does Jesus do? He reframes the whole idea of greatness. He tells his disciples, whoever wishes to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you must be slave of all. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. See, the gospel is an entirely countercultural message. It goes against. And when we think of leaders, right, we, we think of leaders, we don't usually think of servants. It's countercultural. But Jesus modeled it first by crossing all the norms and the boundaries and serving the rejected, the oppressed. He ultimately gave his life for all of us and paid for our sins forever. Jesus offers his love to anyone who will accept this gift. And once we have that love, we want to just go out and share it. Once we just taste a little bit of that love and freedom and assurance in Christ, we want to invite others. Come and see. Taste. See that it is good. Next year, First Pres is expanding the church walls. We're expanding our boundaries into Kaka'ako and planting a satellite campus called The Vine. There's been so much prayer over the months and even the years of the long-term vision of the church and that we'll be faithful to what God has called us to do. We've been walking the neighborhood and praying in that area and getting to know people in the community and businesses. We've been praying for them. There's one person we've been getting to know, and this, this person is a Bartimaeus type of fellow, not that he's blind or a beggar in any way, but he has this incredible heart to follow Jesus, and he's been transformed, transformed by his love. Over the months, we've been getting to know a man named Warren Lilo, and he's the head of security they have there at 547 Halekawila. He's also the founder of a youth outreach ministry called the Life360 Network, and Life360 provides a safe haven for at-risk youth and young adults. They work to provide alternatives to things like truancy and dropouts from school, alcohol abuse, and gang and drug activity. And on any given day that we visited, you see life coaches. He has like 30 life coaches. They're all young adults in their 20s and their 30s. And on any given day, you see them working with the youth and doing Bible studies in the rooms, helping with homework, taking them surfing, going to the beach, basketball clinics on Fridays, and worshiping together. They partner with the Honolulu Police Department and Neighborhood Watch and with businesses in the community. Since day one, Warren has been excited and supportive of First Press coming to 547. He's donated all this cafe furniture. You saw in the video, he just gave that to us free. He's like, come, take it. And he's been cleaning up the site and getting it ready for campus tours and helping in whatever way he can. Warren has a powerful testimony. And KITV once did a Hawaii MVP segment on him uh, three years ago in 2015. Let's watch this together. Every Friday night, the basketball courts at Stevenson Middle School light up with activity. At first glance, you would think these kids playing together are close friends. 
but off the court, they could be rivals, even enemies. Where are you from? Halava. Halava. Who else is here? Merites? KPT. These students come from different housing units. Crossing boundaries can trigger a turf war. Good job, guys. But not tonight. The man at the center of bringing these teens together is Warren Lilo. A lot of times when we pick up kids, they already got walls. You know, they, where are you from? Boom, walls already. They already want to fight. They already got to put up their guards. To break down those barriers, Lilo began these weekly basketball nights. It's something he's been doing for years. It's a way to find a common interest between the feuding gangs. Everything we do from that game, the way we set up our games, the way we play our games, it's all about interaction. It's all about mixture. You know, it doesn't matter where you come from. It's not a competitive thing. It's about family. We try to teach these kids about Ohana. So let's look, look around. Look around. Look at your, look at, this is your brothers, man. Understand? No matter where you come from. In addition to his full-time job, the 48-year-old spends more than 50 hours a week of his own time to be a positive role model to the kids in Oahu's roughest housing project. He plays ball with them, coaches them, encourages them, and even feeds them. He put his efforts together and started a nonprofit called Life 360. And as the name implies, the goal is to turn lives around. Where do you think these kids would be Probably on the streets, probably locked up, probably dead. If they didn't have a place to come, honestly. Lilo himself knows how important it is to have a positive role model. He grew up in Kali'i Valley Homes. He was in fourth grade when he was caught stealing candy from a local store. A police officer caught him, and what the officer did next changed Lilo's course in life. He took him in, and the officer became his mentor. I grew up with, you know, in the housing project myself, and I've seen gangs so violent in our, in, in our housing projects. And, um, you know, a police officer and a teacher actually changed my life. And they, they stepped in and um, helped me to make better choices or exposed me to there's more to than outside of the four walls that I grew, where I grew in. And that's why Lilo dedicated his life to coach these teens. He serves as their role model. He makes sure the kids go to school and, most importantly, give kids the love they may not otherwise have at home. Uncle I don't think there's no words to describe this man, <laughs> but it's probably like God-like. Even Keiki, as young as elementary school, say this man has changed their life. I used to do like bad stuff, like always did school, and now when I came here, I, I saw Uncle Warren and he showed love, and he taught us how to care for people, respect people, and love each other, one another. He's like a father figure. For me, he's like my stepdad, and I love him. Lilo will stay up until 1 a.m. to play with these kids just to make sure they're under his safe care. We try, but we don't win them all. But even one child off the streets and not in the gang is a win for us all. Warren is a follower of Jesus. Yeah, his ministry is amazing. And we want to partner with people like Warren Lilo and people in the community and other churches. He's told us that he's been praying for a church to come into that building for years. He's experienced the grace and mercy of God and was given the opportunity to bring healing and restoration to others. I hope that if you come to the satellite tour 2 o'clock today or 6 p.m. tomorrow that you might get to meet Warren and some of his life coaches. They're super, super nice, very helpful. 
Now back to the story of Barmaeus, another man changed by the mercy and grace of God. What others see is a blind beggar, but what Jesus sees is the heart. Jesus sees the motivation of the heart. And I think we have a few things we can learn from Bartimaeus. First, we see that Bartimaeus has a heart that is responsive. When he hears that Jesus has stopped for him, what does he do? In verse 50, it says he threw off his cloak and he jumped to his feet and he came to Jesus. Bartimaeus is eager and expectant of what Jesus will do. There's a responsiveness to him, even, even a boldness, right? He shouts even louder. And, you know, I, I, I thought, like, when was the last time that I was this eager and expectant for God to move? Do we have an eager expectation about what God is going to do in ministry and in our lives and in our families and in the church, in our communities? Are we responsive to his voice, his promptings? Are we responsive to follow where he might lead? Just a few days ago, it was just last week, the Life in the Spirit conference was here. And I took my children, Grant and Mitchell, nine and 12 years old, and the conference was about prophecy and hearing God's voice. Many of you heard Wayne Drain, the speaker, on Sunday. After each session, we would do like this practice lab where we'd go into triads and we pray and we just listen. Then we ask God, is there a word you want to share with this person? And you know, it's not weird. There's no pressure. You just pray and you listen. Now, during one of these sessions, Grant thought he got two images for the person he was praying for. But he was hesitant to share, and especially the second image, because it was rather silly. In his mind, it was a silly image. But, you know, in the end, he decided to be bold, and he took this leap of faith, and he shared both images. Well, they ended up really ministering to this other guy. In fact, the second image that Grant almost didn't share was the one that meant the most to this person. See, he was trying to share about Jesus with his friend in school. And he was super encouraged by what Grant shared. And since that experience, Grant's so excited, you know, he was eager to return to the conference the next morning. He was like, even in the car, just pouring over the Bible nonstop. And he kept asking me, when can we go back? When can we go back? You know, as a mom, my heart was just so full. It was so neat to see this kid, this transformation from hesitancy to eager expectation, excitement about what God's going to do. As we expand into Kaka'ako for a satellite campus, do we have that eager expectation for what God is going to do? Do we expect him to move? Are we responsive to his call to reach those who don't know Jesus, who don't have a relationship with him? Like our beautiful campus here in Ko'olau, we want to create safe spaces where people can experience the love of God, the presence of God in worship and in community and in prayer. Our church mission is always the same. Love God, love people, reach the world for Christ. The Great Commission is not only global, but it's also local, pressing past the boundaries and walls as we reach into the world of our own backyards to those who don't know Christ, who don't know his love, as a congregation, you've been extremely faithful, very generous with your prayers and responses. And I'm so hopeful in our 547 appeal, we're halfway there. I see the glass half full. We've had 
so many satellite tours and prayer walks and informational meetings. And as we come into this week of Thanksgiving, I'm just so thankful for our church and the generosity. We'll be able to announce the total on Sunday. And I hope that we can all jump up in eager expectation and give praise to God for what he's about to do. On these tours, um, as we've walked and prayed on the grounds, people have been excited. You know, there hasn't been this fear or inti- you know, of intimacy or fear of, of oh, what's going to happen here? There's an excitement. And, you know, I can just see us throwing off our cloaks and jumping up and responding to what Jesus is calling us to do. When we first, very, very first heard about this possibility of this campus, um, we actually visited the site and we had a prayer walk and uh, invited the elders and staff and some ministry leaders and prayer team to come and we prayed and several saw visions and received a word from the Lord. One elder saw the Statue of Liberty holding a torch and she saw the words, she kind of saw the words inscribed on the Statue of Liberty. It says, give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free, the wretched refuse of your teeming shore. Send these, the homeless, tempest-tossed to me. I lift my lamp beside the golden door. Those words reminded me of the words that Jesus spoke from Isaiah 61. Jesus said, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And Jesus stood up and said, today this word is fulfilled. These words give us hope and eager expectation of the freedom that Christ brings to those who may be searching for meaning and to those who are struggling. There was another elder who, this was amazing, another elder who was walking around and she was surprised. She shared with us that um, over 13 years ago, she saw the vision of the walls that we were walking through. She's been a member of First Press for over 20-something years and she saw these walls and she said, back then it was so confusing and when we moved to Cole, I was like, these walls don't look like anything of the vision God gave me of these banquets center walls or any other ministry. But she says, now... Now she knows that God had given her a vision of the future of this church. As we hear Jesus calling, we want to be courageous and bold in our faith to cross through the boundaries and follow where he would go. Like the heart of Bartimaeus, we want to be responsive, eager, and expectant. Second, we see that the heart of Bartimaeus is open and honest in his need for Jesus, right? There's no pretense. There's no like, oh, I'm good, no hard walls there. He has complete openness, and he has a humility to be transparent, and he yells out, Jesus, son of David, Jesus, have mercy on me. He knows he needs Jesus. Bartimaeus is blind, but he isn't blind for a need of a savior in his life. And we know that when he was using that word, son of David, it was a very specific term. We knew that Bartimaeus had faith and belief in Jesus as the Lord and savior. The son of David was a messianic title. It was 
basically the fulfillment of all the Old Testament prophecies about a long awaited deliverer, the Messiah. And so when Bartimaeus said, Jesus, son of David, mentioning the Davidic line, he was calling out. He knew Jesus was the true Lord and Savior. The Bible says that we've all sinned and gone our own separate ways. Jesus has paid for all of our sins, all of our iniquities. And God knows the depth of the worst actions and the worst thoughts and worst intentions that we have. And yet he loves completely, undeniably, and without reserve. God is the definition of perfect love. And when we believe in Jesus, we invite him into our lives and we ask him to do life with us, to lead us and to guide us. And he gives us the Holy Spirit who comforts us and he counsels us and he empowers us to share God's love with others as we are sent out, sent out into the world. You know, some people don't even realize what they're missing out on, of that relationship with God. You know, we can fill our lives with all sorts of things and people and put those things up on a pedestal. We can live life dependent on circumstances about how great the day was or how good we feel depending on how much we make or how popular we are or how important and busy we feel. People can ignore the hurt of our past, the deep trauma, the pain and the loss, the betrayal and disappointment in our lives and ignore the brokenness and the injustice that we see in this world, in this fallen and broken world. Or we can do life a different way. We can build our lives on the love of God. We can soften our hearts and cry out to Jesus, Jesus, I need you. Have mercy on me. And his response is not going to be dependent on how good we are or how much we've done or accomplished. It's only dependent on who he is. He's already paid the price. His love is endless, unfailing, stable, and true. And Jesus is the only one who can take our scars and brokenness and give us healing and restoration. The late author, Brennan Manning, who was a friend of Pastor Dan, wrote this. Do you believe that the God of Jesus loves you beyond worthiness and unworthiness, beyond fidelity and infidelity, that he loves you in the morning sun and in the evening rain, that he loves you when your intellect denies it, your emotions refuse it, and your whole being rejects it? Do you believe that God loves without condition or reservation and loves you this moment as you are and not how you should be? Lastly, do we have the heart to follow Bartimaeus, follow Jesus? And we know that Bartimaeus had the heart to follow him. He could have gone his own way, right? He had perfect eyesight, could have gone on his way experiencing a new life. Charles Spurgeon wrote the sermon on these very same scriptures back in 1859. He wrote, maybe he could have done a lot of other things. I wonder once he gained his sight, does he not desire to hold all the beauties and the wonders of the world? No, but he chooses to follow Jesus along the road. The one thing Bartimaeus wants to do is serve Christ. His tongue begins to itch to share of the mercy that he's found. Once we know who we are and who he is, we cannot but cry out, God, have mercy on me. 
We are all beggars redeemed as followers of Jesus. And Bartimaeus left his place among the beggars and took his place among the followers of Jesus. When we experience the love of Christ, we can't help but want to follow him and then to share that love with others. As we go out, Jesus sends us. He sends us out telling us to go and make disciples of all the nations, to baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And he promises to never leave us. We are not alone. In this last week of the 547 appeal, many of you have given in faith already. Thank you so much. Many of you have given like the widow's faithful two mites. You know, as I read the Bible, uh, passages about widows stand out to me more. Um, many of you know I lost my husband last year. I'm a single mom of two children, and times have been difficult. Now, God doesn't ask us to do more than what he's called us to do. He doesn't ask us to give out of obligation or guilt, only out of faithful obedience. When we hear Jesus calling, we cast off our cloaks and we jump up and we stand for him. We follow Jesus along the road and we share what he's done with us. I mean, done with us and for us. The vision of the vine is that many who don't know Christ will come to know him and that they will experience and share his love with others. In our main campus here at Kolau, we support the mission and vision of all the ministries here at this church and now all campuses. You know, we may not all go to grief share or divorce care, but we support the vision of the church to care for those in our community. We may just go to 8 a.m. or 9.30. Maybe some of us never go to 11.11, but we support all the services and believe in the vision of worship for all of the church. We may not go to an Alpha course for ourselves, but we believe in the mission of Alpha and evangelism, and we support it all the more. And it's like that with the vine in Kaka'ako. We continue to reach out to those who don't have a church community yet for those who have not experienced a relationship with Jesus Christ. Can we, like Bartimaeus, have the eager expectation for what Jesus is going to do? Can we be responsive when we hear his voice calling us? Do we have an open and humble heart to cry out to him and know that Jesus is the only one that can save? And lastly, do we have the heart to follow Jesus along the road, wherever he would take us? In our closing time, I'd like to end with prayer, and Nat's going to come up and lead us in a special song called Excavate. And during the song, on this very special week of Thanksgiving, we're going to be giving our tithes and offerings in thanks to him for all that he's done. Let us pray. Lord, we're all but beggars redeemed by your love. And we are blind until you opened our eyes. We believe in you and your power to save and restore us. Help us to pursue you with abandon and eager to respond to build your kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. Will you soften our hearts? We want to be pliable and molded by you. We want to follow you wherever you lead and pursue the things that really last. We give you our tithes and offerings 
thankful for your goodness and faithfulness. Will you bless and multiply what we've offered in faith? Please use it for your glory. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. After the service, our prayer team is here in the front, and I invite you to come up and pray with us. You know, being a part of this community is that we give thanks together and that we pray together. So please feel free to come on forward with your prayer requests after the service. Now will you please stand as we close with this blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you and may his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May you always know the love of Christ deep within your hearts as you follow him wherever he might lead. In the name of Christ we pray, amen. Thank you. Have a wonderful day and happy Thanksgiving. After we read the story of Bartimaeus, we realize he represents us. People in need who cry out for Jesus and his love and mercy. All that's left is our obedience to his call on our lives. If you'd like to hear this sermon again, you can listen to and download this and other sermons from the First Pres website, fpchawaii.org. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Join us at one of our worship services on campus at 45550 Kiona Ole Road, Kaneohe, Hawaii, 96744. We meet Sunday mornings at 8, 930, and 1111. Follow First Prez on Twitter and Facebook. Download the brand new First Prez app. Watch First Prez sermon videos on our website and on Facebook. And if you need more, call us at 808-532-1111. For Pastor Dan Chun and the entire staff at First Prez, I'm Michael Shishido. Until next time, God bless you and thank you for listening. Strength for the Journey is copyright 2018 and produced by the Media Ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu at Ko'olau.